This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson is from Acts chapter 9. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to them with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Darkus had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. She gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson is from Revelation chapter 9. I'm sorry, chapter 7. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, 
How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. At the first service, when I got up to do the Gospel, I found a last sad remnant of a lily that somehow seems to be appropriate for where we are today. Here we are some weeks after we went to the tomb and found it empty. We hooted and hollered, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And then we heard three accounts of coming into contact with the risen Jesus. And now we can't help but kind of wonder, well, now what? Where from here? What happens now? And sometimes... It seems that all we can do is exactly what those first disciples did, which is kind of wander around somewhat confused and try to make sense of it all. It seems sometimes like our story, just like their story, has gotten nailed to the cross and therefore has a new center, a new pivot point. Indeed, a whole new story that stretches both backwards and forward. It seems up till now we have been backward looking. We have been forced to look backward at Scripture and to find it reinterpreted, to see it in a new light through a new lens. Like Jesus saying, don't you see, it had to be this way. Just look at the evidence. And all of a sudden, in the scripture we thought we knew so well, we say, of course, there it is. And in these appearances that Jesus makes, He seems to be addressing past business. He appears to the frightened disciples saying, Peace be with you. Calm down. It's going to be all right. And then he shows up for Thomas, who simply cannot believe that things are different And he shows him the evidence. 
And then he shows up to Peter there on the lake shore, like we heard last week, cooking breakfast and helping bring that poor shattered fisherman back into the fold with a forward-looking command. If you love me, feed my sheep. And we think back to all the times that we, we heard Jesus speak of sheep and all of a sudden it takes on a renewed urgency. We wonder sometimes why perhaps Jesus couldn't just leave the disciples alone. I mean, he was raised. He was raised from the dead. Glory, hallelujah. Why is he sticking around for another 40 days? It's like taking that final bow and then going into a two-hour encore. Apparently, well, I don't know if there's business left undone, but there is still some sense of urgency that keeps Jesus coming back again and again. And I look at the common thread in these three appearances And each time he seems to be restoring lost ones back into the community. As if this shepherd who so loved his sheep that he becomes one of them. Becoming the new paschal lamb. Going to the cross for them. It's as if his love will not allow him to be separated from them. That love continues to bring him back, searching for those lost ones, leaving the 99 behind, and going out to find doubting Thomas, shattered Peter, and all the rest of those frightened and confused disciples. But now it seems in this story of Tabitha, the the wilted lily gets left behind and we move forward. We look ahead and we discover that this resurrection business isn't just for some future day or just for back on that Easter Sunday, but somehow finds a place here among us. As Peter is called to come to Joppa, Because a beloved disciple has died. They call him to come with some urgency, perhaps just in order to get there in time to offer his own condolences. Or perhaps because they think that maybe he can do something about it. And when he gets there, he finds a scene that we are all too familiar with. Anyone who has gone to a funeral where eyes of love and grieving convert all who have died into saints. When he arrives there, he finds the grieving community gathered around Tabitha, offering up signs of her love her mercy and compassion for those less fortunate than herself, the robes that she had sewn for the community, 
now offered up like a patchwork quilt, as if to show Peter she is worthy, she's worthy. She was good, and we loved her. But notice that Peter does not offer judgment. He makes no comment upon whether she was good or bad, whether she was worthy or unworthy. He does not raise his eyes to heaven and say, thus it is with all who follows our Lord's teachings. He just simply turns to her and says, Tabitha, get up. He finds there the one sheep who is lost and restores her to the flock, restores her to that grieving community, and in doing so, converts that grieving into joy. The sense of loss, if not exactly into a sense of completion, but at least into a sense of forward-looking hope. And then we get this other vision today that looks even further ahead, that looks forward indeed as far ahead as one can look to the end of all things. And there it finds this huge community gathered around the throne of the Lamb. We hear from John of Patmos, not to be confused with John the Gospel writer, and in this vision, he sees this gathered community, and the question is posed, who are these who are gathered around the throne? These are those whose robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. These are those who are being led beside still waters, given water to drink now from this, this river of life that flows out from the throne. And the setting is a place of ridiculous abundance, of overabundance. It is set in the New Jerusalem where the streets aren't just paved. There's a few streets in my neighborhood I wish they would pave, but paved in gold. And the walls are studded with jewels. There is light, an abundance of light. There's an abundance of food. There's an abundance of water. Apparently an abundance of air conditioning. The heat will not strike them. And apparently also an abundance of sheep. And this lamb is indeed a good shepherd. This one who becomes one of the sheep has a knack for calling them home. For there is an abundance of sheep gathered around the throne, bleeding out their praise, all glory and honor, praise and might be to our Lord and to the Lamb. Resurrection is not something just for Jesus. Resurrection is not something just 
for the few special ones chosen along the way. Resurrection is for those who are lost. And resurrection happens now. When Jesus goes to the side of Lazarus' tomb and he asks Mary and Martha, do you believe in the resurrection? Mary and Martha are focused on some future day. Yes, I believe it'll happen someday. But then Jesus tells them to open their eyes and see that he is that day. He is the way. He is the life. And he doesn't postpone Lazarus, but says, come out of the tomb now. And so Peter, going to Tabitha's side, does not say, I'll see you someday, but calls her back to life now. And so the good shepherd comes to all of those tombs that we find ourselves trapped in. All of those ways in which we experience death, not, in, not just in the days to come, but right here and now. All the things that sap the life out of us. So that we do not count the days down until our death, but we lose count of those days that begin our eternal life. He calls us out of the darkness into that riotous light of the new kingdom and admonishes us to start living now. Don't wait to show your love. Don't wait to show compassion. Don't wait to reach out to those lost ones around you and to boldly speak out with the voice of the Spirit, with the voice of that good shepherd flowing through us, come home, come home. Come join the flock, where you will find people of every nation, where you will find people of every color, where you will find people of every identity. And the only binding and common thing will be the love that has called them there. The love that is so strong that it will not be separated. The shepherd cannot leave the sheep. And so comes back not just to those disciples then, but to us now again and again and again, calling us home in the water of baptism, feeding us at this table with his own body and blood, evidence of that binding love that one day, God willing, will gather us along with all the rest of his vast flock in this universe around that throne to join in that glorious hymn. Amen.